Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Ron Anderson, Andrew Barrett, Patty Wilson, Michelle Berriman, and all of our Patreon supporters. And of course, you. Yes, you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. This has got to be, Andy, like Christmas week for you. This is Western States week. This has to be like the greatest week of the year for Andy Jones Wilkins. Absolutely. This is for 20 years. This has been like Christmas week. No, no doubt about it. It's the best week of the year. And no better way to kick off a special Western States week on the Adventure Jogger than to do the Western States preview with Andy Jones Wilkins. On this episode, we're going to lay it out for you. The, the men's field, the women's field, the stories you need to look out for, the most exciting ultra marathon in the world is happening at the end of this week. And I want to say, Andy, um, you're kicking off a very special week of programming because you're the first episode up, the Western States preview. And then tomorrow, I'm releasing an episode called The Luckiest Man in the Western States Lottery. It's about a guy who got in uh, on his first ticket, his first race, did something at the finish line that made him notorious. Like people still talk about what he did at the finish line of his first Western States. And then um, he got in on his second try with two tickets so he's ran western oh, states <laughs> oh my god they, and he's running it this year no he ran it last year so this is this he's the luckiest man in the western states lottery um and then so that is on tuesday and then wednesday uh davy crockett who you know he's going oh, to yeah. be on to talk about the real history of western states it's more than just gordy's horse going lame it's it ties into a 200 plus year history of ultra running that, I mean, that was a, that was an incredible conversation. Um, and then I want to thank you for this. You connected me with someone who I've not heard on a lot of podcasts, but he is an absolute treasure. And I'm talking about tropical John, who is the voice of the finish line at Western States. Thank you for making that interview happen because man, he is such an awesome guy. So Tropical John's coming on um, on Thursday? Thursday we'll have Tropical John, yes. Oh, that is fantastic. I'm so glad. Yeah, he's he's the best. He is... Uh He's one of the uh, the elder statesmen of the sport. Obviously, I don't think he would mind me saying that. And and he, uh, I'm sure he had lots uh, lots of cool things to say in, in your conversation. He so did. Can't wait to hear that one. And then the final episode of Western States Week is the Friday before Western States. 
no better way to to roll into the race than to to talk to race director Craig Thornley. Craig Thornley was just an hour long conversation with a fascinating human being, the the guy who's got the best RD job in the business. So you have you have five you 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 have five. Mm-hmm. All, Oh, that's fantastic. Because your little teaser the other day said you're going to have four. So as usual, under promise and over deliver. Way it's, to go. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had four in the bag at that point. And I'm like, if if the last one doesn't happen, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, like say there's five and there, there's only four. But to give people a little preview of what to expect, Andy, on Friday, you have been on this podcast so many times and you have shared so many amazing stories with with me and the listeners of the Adventure Jogger. One of my favorite all-time stories is you and Craig Thornley have this thing called the 10-year bet. And and you you've told this story quite a few times about how you guys decided, oh, whoever has the best 10 Western States finishes has to buy the other one and his family and all expenses paid trip, right? I've heard to you the tell grand, to, the, to the Grand Canyon. Exactly. Yeah. I've heard you yeah. tell this story a hundred times. Yeah. I want you to hear now Craig Thornley's recollection of how the 10-year bet came to be. Oh, no. So this no. is, yes, you will hear the full story on Friday, folks, when the Craig Thornley episode is released. But here is, I asked him, like, Craig, can you tell me your side of the story? It's about two minutes long, Andy, but this is Craig Thornley. Oh, boy. Sharing. All right, but brace yourselves, people. <laughs> this is his recollection of how the 10-year bet came to be. It was in 2007. At Michigan Bluff, we, we would camp out, or not camp out, we would stay at a house. Mm-hmm. We called it a training camp, but we would hang out at Michigan Bluff and run for a week, seven, eight days. And AJW would join us occasionally. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he had he had finished eighth and then second the 2005 year, which he, can, he can't go a conversation without mentioning 2005. <laughs> And he was just, he was holding court. There were probably four or five of us in the living room. He's just holding court. And he just absolutely um, is sure that he's the best Western States runner in the room by far. There's no way, there's no way anybody else could be better than him. And I had four finishes just like him, but my highest were 10th M10 and then M10 the second time or M10 the first time I was 11th overall. Yeah. Um, but I had, I was doing the, the math in my head quickly and I said, I said, I think I'm faster than you right now. I think I have, I think, I think my four finishes total is faster. There's no way he, he was going to believe that, right? No way, no way. So we scratched it down and sure enough, I think I was two minutes or three minutes ahead of him because of his first year, his first year, he ran 21 or something, yeah. 21 something and i ran 2020 my first year um so that's how the 10-year bet was born with haw being so dumbfounded that (laughs) i could actually have four finishes faster than his four finishes (laughs) so we made this we made the uh we made the bet that in 10 after 10 finishes the lowest aggregate time would be the winner and the loser would 
pay for an all expenses paid vacation. Andy, how accurate is Craig's recollection of that day? <laughs> uh, he's 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 completely right. I I could not I could not I could not believe I could not believe that that slow fat guy was 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 two minutes ahead of me after four years, especially after I got second place and. So sad to say, sad to say, Craig's, as usual, Craig always gets the last laugh. And yeah, thank you for playing that back to me. But I I can distinctly remember sitting in that house in Michigan Bluff in 2007. It was early May. Mm -hmm. We were getting ready to go for a big long run the next day. And he puts he, he he's doing like he said, he did the math in his head. He put the two pieces of paper down and I was like. Oh my God, this, <laughs> this can't be right. I, I, you know, but, it, but it was right. <laughs> By the way, I don't want to spoil anymore because there's a whole lot in the Craig Thornley episode. All I want to say is there's more to that. He talks a little bit more about that and there is something, and, and I don't want to spoil this, but folks, you cannot miss the episode because Craig talks about something that the OGs used to do. It was a Tim Tweetmeyer thing. It involved ice cream sandwiches. That is all I'm going to say. And 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 Andy, you you know what I'm talking about because you were involved. But just there's way more to that episode than just the Andy Jones Wilkins story. Ice cream sandwiches. You'll never think of them the same way again. Um, so that is is coming up later in the week. But here we are. Well, I, I, I'm thrilled, and and I think it's 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 great that you're doing that. He's going to be the last one. That he's going to be the Friday before the race. Because yes, there's there's there there's some great stories around ice cream sandwiches and everything else. So <laughs> let's not spoil it. But uh, man, Ryan, what a great great Western States week this is going to be. Yes, a little something for everybody. <laughs> but let's get started by talking about this year's race. This is 2023. This is a big year this could be this honestly could be and we'll talk about the men's field in just a minute but um janice anderson i had on the episode right before you she was the second place woman in 1997 that was the last year that the beast coast brought the cougar back mike morton won in 1997 she was second place so we had a the, the first place male was from the beast coast the second place female was from the beast coast that was a huge year 1997 and for whatever reason 97 keeps popping up in interviews that i have and guests that i'm talking to so i mean this really could be the year that the cougar goes back across the mississippi if arlen glick can pull it off we'll talk about the men's field in a second but what does the course look like this year, Andy? You've done the recon. Is this going to be a fast year, or is this going to be like a couple of years ago where it's going to be so blasted hot that we are going to have top 10 finishes in the 18-hour mark? I think it's not going to be that hot. Uh, it's. I think it's, I mean, in, unless it unless the forecast is really off the mark, it's, I mean, it might heat up, but I. it's not going to have the usual preheating. And so it's not going to be all that hot. I think the r- runners can be relieved about 
not having an insanely hot year. The flip side of that is that the predicted melting of all the snow that everyone thought, oh, once it gets hot, the snow's going to melt really quickly. It hasn't really melted really quickly. Now, there's still, uh, well, while we're recording this, there's a 10 days left to the race. You know, there's still some time for it to melt, but they are going to have snow for the first 20 miles patches of snow but more they're going to have what i like to call slop Mm -hmm. it's sort of that blend of snow and slush and mud and and it's going to be a little bit more like 2017 when there was a lot of snow a lot of the snow melted there was a lot of mud uh there were like 16 people who didn't make the cutoff at red star ridge jim walmsley tried to stick to his his splits anyway and you know ended up you know imploding by the time he got to the river. So I think this will be a lot more like 2017 than say 2020, 2021. I think the bigger X factor is the 16 miles that are now completely and totally exposed because of the mosquito fire. So through much of the canyons now, and into the Cal Street section from Forest Hill down a little past Cal One, there's no shade cover. There's no, the trees are just burnt. It looks, it just looks like a wasteland. Uh, Maybe there's a little bit of stuff growing, you know, in the undergrowth, but there's, it's just dust and soot and, and that. So even if it's only 90 degrees, it's going to feel a lot hotter in there and it's going to be exposed. And you're just going to have that sort of exposure, sort of general um, kind of, kind of crap. And I, I will say this, and I've talked to several runners about this who were at the Memorial Day weekend training camp. It's kind of depressing. It's really? kind of depressing to go to go 16 miles through a burned out scape, you know, yeah. in the middle of a race. It's not pretty. It's not bursting with life. There's not a lot of birds and animals around. It's kind of like a wasteland. And it we, we never know as humans how we're going to respond to, to those kinds of environmental um, you know, factors. But I think, I think that'll be a really interesting kind of dynamic when, when all said and done is how people do getting through the burned out areas and, and, and how they, you know, how they respond to those, the river Duncan Creek, which is at mile 24 is, I mean, it was, it was up to, you know, Arlen Glick's sort of uh, chest when he crossed it the other day, yeah. it's going to go down a bit more, but they're going to have a rope. They're going to have volunteers out there. They're going to have to take boats across uh, rocky Chucky river crossing because the water is going to be so high. So I think it's going to I think the lack of heat is going to be canceled out by these uh, mitigating factors of snow slop and 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 exposure. And we'll probably see a men's winner in the 15 in the 15s and a women's winner in the upper 17s, low 18s, like kind of has become normal. But no course record, and I I have the over-under for silver buckles at 91. Okay. Um, The first part of the race, with all that snow, once you get up the escarpment and you're battling that snow, is that going to affect the middle and the back of the Packers more? Because... Or is it going to affect the front runners because they're the ones that are going to have to plug their way through it? 
Well, it's it, both. I mean, the the the, the plugging through it, they'll, the front run, it sucks for the back of the Packers because the front runners are going to get up there and it's still going to kind of be frozen. Mm-hmm. So they can kind of get across it before the sun hits it. And it's more of they're running on kind of a crust, although they run the risk of sort of sliding down and that their, their hip stabilizers are used a lot more than they might normally be. For the back of the Packers, it really does become a slog through the slush. And they kind of have to group up. It's hard to find the markings. You know, there's the markings are maybe up on trees or they're down in pin flags. And so people kind of group up. And I mean, most people are just going to be kind of grouping up and running to try and make the cutoffs to Lion Ridge, Red Star and Duncan. The other dynamic is no crews because of some road damage on the Duncan Canyon Dusty Dusty Corner side of the course. There's no no crew access over there. So. Um, you know, runners are going to go have to go 30 miles before they see their crew and then another 25 before they see their crew again. So I think the dynamics for both the front and the back, both with the snow and the road conditions and the slop are going to make that first 30 miles rough. It'll be interesting to see how, you know, everyone comes into Fort Robinson Flat, how they're feeling and how different they look and how different like the placements of the runners are just 25 miles later at Michigan Bluff. Then from Michigan Bluff, there's one more fire section, you know, and then, you know, four miles after Forest Hill, they're out of the fire. And it's so basically from about mile 65 to the finish, it's the race course as normal. And really for anybody racing it, that's where the race starts. Okay. Um, is this going to affect your parking job? Yeah, I've got a new parking job. Where are you parking um, now? Be- I'm parking at Robinson Flat because there's because of no. And part of the reason is I'm parking at Robinson Flat because now all the crews are going to go there. Mm-hmm. Just think of what a shit show that's going to be. So we're doing we're doing two parking areas. There's one that's a mile and a half away and one that's six miles away and running shuttles and everything else. It's a huge involved thing. I mean, you need NASA scientists to to organize the parking logistics of Western states. But I'll be working parking at Robinson Flat. Then I'll go to Michigan Bluff. But then, Ryan, I have a really, really exciting new assignment this year uh, for the first time. I'm the 20. I'm the silver buckle cheerleader. And so I'm going to go go down to highway 49 where there yeah where there used to be an aid station and i'm going to uh, cheer in people that are on that 24-hour buckle let them know exactly what they need to run those last six and a half miles in in order to get that 24 mile buckle so i'm psyched about that that's gonna be a great job for you that's gonna be a lot of fun because people for whatever reason man (laughs) that 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 silver buckle means so much to so many people that if you're on that cusp all of a sudden, you may have been slogging just through garbage. Like you're just you're you're feeling like crap. You've been walking, but just the the glimmer of hope of getting in under 24 hours for that silver buckle can wake people up and can bring people back from the dead. That is going to be the best place to be at that point. Well, they're they're probably not going to like to see me because I'll probably tell them you know what they have to run to get it in. But uh, hopefully they'll find some inspiration in that and get it in. That'll be really awesome, Andy. What a cool job. And hopefully they live stream it. Get Jamil to live stream you yelling at people how fast <laughs> they got to run to get that that silver buckle. Um, all right. You want to start with the men's field or do you want to start with the women's field? Let's um, let's start with the men. 
All right. Um, I think the, I think the, um, and, and I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I've said this back on a podcast we had months ago. Mm -hmm. My, my pick for the win is, is Ohio's very own Arlen Glick. I, boy, I would love nothing more than Arlen Glick to win Western States. First of all, he's the nicest human being on planet Earth. Like, it is hard not to love Arlen Glick when you meet him, when you talk to him. I mean, he is the nicest human being in ultra running. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, oh yeah. Super nice. And he soaks in, he soaks in the wisdom of older people and experienced people. He asks questions. He, he understands his place in the sport and, and yet he's really damn fast. Oh, and yes. Um, and, you know, and that Umstead he ran with, you know, stopping for a grand total of 25 seconds, <laughs> that just blows my mind. <laughs> I know. When he told me that, I was like, surely he's got that number wrong. But no, 20, less than 25 seconds of total downtime at Umstead. He ran a 12.57 with tw less than 20 seconds uh, or right around 20 seconds of total downtime. Of course, for the adventure jogger, I don't know if you followed along, Andy, but there's a guy, his name is Kerry Long, and he, he's an ultra runner, and he builds custom bass guitars. And so Arlen plays the bass in his family's band. His family has a band. They play at nursing homes, and they play at prisons. They have a nursing home and a prison ministry. And so we did a little GoFundMe, um, Carrie Long has designed I've seen the design ideas It's absolutely beautiful What he's going to make for Arlen But if Arlen wins Western States And Arlen knows this He's going to get a custom made Bass guitar With the Western States logo on it With the timing and all Like Carrie got Western States permission for this and, and also the names of people That supported him Through his Western States run Engraved into the body of the bass guitar like there's a bass guitar on the line for arlen glick and as soon as western states is over if if i win i gotta dump the money to carry long so we can go ahead and uh, <laughs> and start making that bass guitar <laughs> so this this is this, there's a lot riding on this for arlen glick let's just say that well i i i had arlen on my podcast a mm -hmm. few months ago and we talked about his prison ministry and the band with his with his family and his sisters and i mean i know he loves that part of his life and and what a what a treat that would be actually to merge were it to happen for him to merge those two passions of running and music so good for carrie for throwing that out there and you for supporting it and just and, and who says there's no money in ultra money? <laughs> yeah, there's, there may not be one there may not be running but there's there's bass guitars <laughs> exactly here's the thing and so i know there's so many variables and i think with arlen running it last year and finishing third i think those are a lot of lessons to be learned um, he seems to have his nutrition dialed in. He talked w with us on the Adventure Jogger about how he's, his nutrition's really dialed in now. He's found things that are working for him. He's found a system that works for him. Um, it, it, it really has to be a situation, though, Andy, where everything goes right for Arlen. There's just too much competition for him to make a mistake. He has to have a perfect day to win. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely, because he's not the he's not the most he's not the best, fastest, pure runner in this in the race. So he's going to have to you know he's going to have to do it in other ways. One way will be n- no downtime in aid stations. I I don't think he'll be able to do twenty five seconds at Western States. But I mean, if he has aggregate aid station time of two or three minutes, he'll he'll make make time on the field. I, I do think he's going to be chased by a hardy pack. Uh, I'll put these five. I'll put five. In mm-hmm. in a very close together, you could put these five in any order: Dakota Jones, mm-hmm. uh, sub thirteen hour at Havelina, Cole Watson, Canyons winner, Hayden Hawks second place last year, yeah. Matthew Blanchard who chased Killian almost to the finish at UTMB, uh, and Tom Evans, uh, who along with Walmsley and uh, and Jared Hazen are the only people to go under 15 hours at Western States. So you've got Arlen and then you've got Dakota, Cole, Hayden, Mathieu and Tom chasing down. So there's a, there's a six pack right there of really strong, really fast, really well-trained athletes that are, you know, in the mix. Now in that group of six, you know, Arlen, Hayden and Tom have Western States experience. Mm-hmm. Dakota, Cole, and Mitch, you do not. It'll be interesting. I, I'm always, I'm a big, oh, you've, you've got to have experience in order to win at Western yeah. States. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes that's not. But there in that six pack of guys, you've got three with experience, three without, and we'll see how it plays out. But I've got Arlen at the top and those five guys kind of chasing him down. What difference does it make with Adam Peterman not coming back this year? He's got injury, had to withdraw from the race. Does that change? Did that change for you when you saw that news that he wasn't coming back? Did that change how you viewed how his things were going to stack up in the race, or were you yeah, thinking I mean, like this I, is I Arlen think, all the way? Um, no, I, I think anytime the M one doesn't come back, it becomes wide open. It really, it really, really does. I mean, it. I, I was I was victim of that fifteen years ago when Jurek finally didn't come back and I had been M2 and it was like, oh, crap, you know. (laughs) So, I mean, theoretically, Hayden could be feeling that way right now. Right. Hayden's going to wear M2 uh, uh, on Saturday. Right. And that's going to be the lowest number in the race. And, you know, heck, Hayden should win. So, I mean, I I think it I don't think it changed the dynamic of the race very much. I don't think it changes the the way people are going to run, but it certainly changes people's attitudes about you know, what it's going to take to win and and how the, and, and maybe the strategies, you know, Adam, Adam runs a very kind of old school style. He doesn't run a Walmsley off the front kind of, um, you know, uh, unabashed style. Mm-hmm. And we saw that last year. So um, and I don't think any of these guys, except for maybe Tom Evans, are going to be sort of a push off the front guy. So you could see like a little pack racing here in the um, in the men's race that could be kind of dynamic, depending also on how everybody gets through the the burned out part and the snow in the burned out part. So you're saying we could really see as we're watching the race unfold, we could just see this pack of five guys. One pulls into an aid station first. Next aid station, it's another guy pulling in first, and it's just this leapfrog until what, like Greengate? You think it'd be Greengate is when things are maybe gonna gonna start to spread out amongst yeah. them? Yeah, I think I think I think the river crossing. Um, you know, it, it could be funny. It's been a few years since we've had the boats, mm-hmm. but it could be a, one of those years where like people are rushing to sort of get on the same boat. It's kind of interesting. If you imagine, imagine if Arlen and Tom 
and Hayden are all on the same boat. Right. Now they're they're pausing. They're you know, they're they're going across the river at mile 78. They get off this boat and it's like, well, I guess we got a 22 mile race on our hands, <laughs> right. you know. Right. So I think those that, that that kind of dynamic is is very possible in the men's race. Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know which of the six. I, like I said, I think Arlen's going to win, but I think any of those other five are going to be in the mix. And I think it'll be interesting to see who has confidence in the snow Who's able to maybe push through the snow and take some chances there? Who's going to be like, oh, it's not a very hot day. Maybe I can, you know, push through the canyons a little bit and get a gap and and get into Forest Hill with a five minute lead and then and then, you know, try and run away with it. It'll be interesting to see. I, I could see any of those things ending up happening. Wouldn't that be great, though, if you've got Arlen, Hayden and Tom getting on the same boat? and getting off the boat at the same time <laughs> at mile 78 and you've got a 22 mile foot race where it's like it's yep. dead even as soon as they get off that boat it's dead even and you got three guys running their guts out the last 22 miles boy wouldn't that be something to see wouldn't it yeah it would it would almost i mean it would almost be like a second race right like they did all this 78 miles just as a prelude for this 22 mile time trial <laughs> right. exactly exactly <laughs> all right the women's race i know in years past and i think last year and even the year before it was almost like the women's race was overshadowing the men's race it was it was better competition you really couldn't. There was there was so many women that that could have won that race. There wasn't just like a couple of superstars, and then who knows? Is the women's race as stacked this year as it's been the last couple? I will say yes and no, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll start with the no uh, for for a variety of different reasons. Um, the top four finishers from last year's Western States are not in the race this year. Mm-hmm. Right. So so Emily Hawgood, who got fifth place, will be coming in as F5. Yeah. Is the highest placed returner from last year. And then you have uh, Taylor Nolan, Katie Asmith, Leah Yingling, others who finished in that second five last year. So in that way, one could argue, you know, without those top four finishers from last year who are who are not racing either because of injury or because of focusing on other things right. or because of life. You, one could say, oh, it's not as stacked. Right. But then, but then you can enter into four really, really fascinating stories, wild cards. Number one, and she's definitely not a wild card, but any race she's in, she's got to be a favorite, is Courtney DeWalter. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Court, yes. Courtney DeWalter got a golden ticket at Bandera. She is into hard rock. She's doing the Western States hard rock double. And she has made no excuses that she's running Western States to win it. That's story number one. Story number two, a, a woman who's raced predominantly in Europe, an American who lives in Europe, won UTMB last year, kind of came out of nowhere. Katie Scheid is running Western States, mm-hmm. spent five days training on the course a week and a half ago and is coming in, you know, with with an incredible an incredible training base and the experience of winning UTMB will make Western states will look like, you know, a small little fat ass fun run compared to UTMB. Right. You've got you've got Devin Yanko, 
third place back in 2016, burst back onto the scene with a win and course record at Havelina, uh, and has been focused and charging. And I think the cooler temperatures and the, the cooler temperatures will favor her. She will not be phased by the snow or the or the uh, you know burnout or any of that. And then the fourth most compelling story is Heather Jackson, who has come over from the world of Ironman triathlons, has embraced the world of ultra running. You know, ran ran in the lead for four laps at Havelina, came back and ran Black Canyon, ran canyons as well. Just finished a high placing at the uh, Unbound Gravel Race in Kansas, um, and is an incredible athlete. Hoka sponsored incredible athlete. So one could argue that the four women who are not running this year, who were top four last year, have been replaced by Courtney, Katie, Devin, and Heather. And then you have the whole rest of the top five. And then you have fascinating stories like Casey Lichtai running her ninth time and everything else. So while it may not have the depth of like 30 deep, anybody could win this thing, I think First of all, Katie and Courtney have never really run head to head, at least since Katie's become like the force that she is. Yeah. She races very. She ran two races last year. Yeah, you know, and um, and I think you know a lot of these women who were in five through nine last year, it was almost like their practice race. A lot of them were doing it for the first time, and they're like, now I know, now I know what it is. You know, take take Leah Yingling or Katie Asmith or Taylor Nolan. Like they just ran like on on love and on spirit. I think you're going to see a lot of little groups among the women. Mm-hmm. You usually do, but like pods of two or three or four kind of running along and, and you never know those pods of two or three or four can become five or six. And, and next thing you know, the, the race has a different dynamic. So I don't think it'll have quite the drama that the men's race might have, especially if Courtney goes off the front, Katie chases her or doesn't, but certainly in terms of depth, might not be quite as deep, but I certainly it'll I certainly it'll be quite it'll be equally as competitive. One of the names you didn't mention is a is a is a runner a, 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 a one of the best ultra runners of all time that has had interesting Western states experiences, um, top ten finishes, also you know golden hour finishes. I mean she's she's just she is. You know, she's had some 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 trying times at Western States and some great times at Western States. Is this the year? Could this be the year that Camille Heron puts it all together and brings it and wins a Cougar? I, I, I wish I could say yes, but having seen Camille come through the snow and the slop in the past, you know, having mm-hmm. seen her drop out, drop out at Red Star Ridge in in 2017 the year that we were talking about yeah i i don't i don't see it i i really don't see it i and i i'm getting some criticism about this i know i mean i've i've i i just camille ran a great race last year last year was was warm it wasn't hot the snow was benign there was a lot of pack racing these first 30 miles are going to be really really tough and for a pure runner like Camille, uh, you know, who's not used to sliding around and slipping and sliding in the snow and and in the mud and and even you know trying to trying to make sure she stays on the course, you know, I honestly I I don't see it happening. I, if she if she guts it out and you know and and proves me wrong, then then great. But when I look at this list of ten, 
You know, I, I see people who are able to run in all kinds of conditions. Uh, and I haven't I haven't seen that from Camille yet. All I know is that if she's in the top three um, out of Forest Hill, I'm going to open up my Charles Schwab account and I'm going to buy a metric shit ton of stock into Lululemon because if she wins, they're going to sell a whole lot of shoes. <laughs> they are, but don't. But yes, and 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 if she's in the top three after Forest Hill, then she's she's safe because it's easy running from there. But don't forget about the other two Lulu girls that are in this group in uh, Devon and mm-hmm. and. Um, uh, Devin and Leah, because they could very well also be in the top three and sell a lot of Lulu shoes. So basically, Andy and I are going to be texting back and forth going, do I need to buy some Lululemon stock? <laughs> what are you seeing out there, Andy? <laughs> are there any runners, Andy, that you see, because we're talking about the top finishes, are there any runners that you see that maybe could sneak into the top 10 men and women and, and really kind of surprise some people any stories that you're seeing that like all of a sudden we'll have that like who is who is this in 10th place not right i don't think you can hide i I wish i did i I honestly wish i did um and i and i I, I'll, i'll regret this later because I don't really, you know, I didn't, I didn't go into my last four on the men's side because, but I mean, Cody Lind, for example, finished fourth and ninth. Yeah. He's got incredible pedigree on the Western States course. Tyler green has finished second and fourth. Mm -hmm. And then these, the the, the two guys who won the early golden ticket races, Anthony Costales and, and uh, Jeff Colt, you know, are incredible runners. So, I mean, I think that, that I, you wouldn't even consider them sneaking in, but um, you know, I, I think some some casual observers to the sport will be like, you know, where'd these guys come from? But I really, you you can't really sneak into the top ten in Western states like you like you used to be able to do, you know, b- back in my day. I, I and that's true for both the both the men's and the women's side. I do think there are some incredibly fascinating stories. Uh, led headlined by Gene Dykes, yes. uh, who's a beast, who's a beast coaster uh-huh. from Balakinwood, Pennsylvania. He's seventy five years old, has had an incredible on ramp to Western states. He did a did did a twelve hour run. It was flat, but did a twelve hour run and you know over like I think he did like sixty three or sixty four miles in twelve hours. So like this guy is legit and he's ready and. He's ready to become the oldest finisher of Western States. Um, you've got Pam Reed, who is going to run an incredible triple this summer, which is Western States, Badwater, and Hard Rock. Wow. Which is like, it's just amazing that she got into all three of those races, much less that she's going to run all of those races, but she's been running so long that. You know, she has tickets and lotteries and things like that. So, I mean, there are fascinating stories, you know, through the field like that. And the wait list, the, Ryan, the wait list is still happening, mm-hmm. right? There are still people getting pulled off. They, they, they pulled off number 51 today. <laughs> it only goes it only goes to 75. But there's people out there. I mean, right now it's the Monday before the race, but right. there's people out there who who still might want to travel to Olympic Valley <laughs> with their running stuff, and they might get picked. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine like being <laughs> on the wait list? Amazing. Yes, being on the wait list, and then finding out that a, a week beforehand, like, hey, guess what? We just drew your name. 
you're in Western states a week ahead of time. That <laughs> is a story and a half. For me, there's a story that I think this could be the the middle back of the pack story, the runner to follow. There's a young man. His name is Zach Bates, and he is a relatively new ultra runner. I say young man because he's my kid's age, and I, I feel like I can say young if you're the same age as my kids. Um, but Zach has autism, and he his mom handles most of his social media, and he just, his story is so compelling. Uh, Run further is 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 I believe is is his Instagram handle, and just what ultra running has done for him and how his autism is almost it's almost an advantage because of how he can crunch the numbers and just the community that he's found, and and just his story and what he has gone through. And and just the you you gotta love the videos he posts after his long runs and just it has been so cool to watch Zach Bates try ultra running, be encouraged in ultra running, find his community in ultra running, and now he's running Western states. And for a young man who appears to be like early late teens, early twenties, it's incredible all that he has gone through. And how he represents so many people as well. Um, I've, I I will be following along to see if Zach Bates crosses that finish line and gets that buckle. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he's from Arizona, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he's he's from. Yeah, yeah. and so that's going to be a story. Yeah, to I watch. remember. I, I I met him. I met him at the end of the second the second training day at the Western States Training Camp on Memorial Day, and. Yeah, he's a he's a fascinating young man, and and he he's been training his butt off, and I mean he's he's he it's Western states, right? He he's treating it like anybody else is. It's just he's treating it in his own special way, and I, I think it's I think it's fantastic. I want to say too, Ryan, the, the really uh, one of the and you might have you might this might come up in the conversation with Craig that you're going to um, publish on Friday, but the, the work that they have had to put in to just getting the trail ready for the race. Mm. I, I, I mean, I remember it, it wasn't, that wasn't September was not that long ago when the mosquito fire was just ravaging that area. You know, came within, you know, two, 200 yards of Wharton supermarket right there in Forest Hill, mm-hmm. bore, burned eight, eight, eight to 10 homes in Michigan Bluff. The, 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 the word on the street was there's no way the trail can survive this. There's no way there's going to be Western states. Then we get to like New Year's and and the Tahoe National Forest declares the entire area is closed, closed to you know everybody and they're and they're bringing in you know people from the government and everything else at the same time craig and his team have to deal with a private land issue uh because of a change of ownership uh from forest from the crossing of mosquito ridge road down to cal one just getting the race to start is a huge accomplishment and i think i think for all the people who've come to ultra running 
recently, like in the last five years who, you know, they oh, you just sign up for a race and you go and there's a Walmart course and there's everything else. I mean, this is a monumental undertaking. I mean, they're, they're probably up there right now, mm-hmm. you know, chopping yeah. trees and, you know, finding out, you know, how bad the snow is going to be. And if they're going to have to go around something or other, you know, to make sure that everyone stays safe and can get down to the aid station in time. Like the, the story that they're, to me, the story of this year will be just having the race happen, the course, the race and having it happen. And and I think we've seen, you know, since the covid cancellation in 2020 and then, you know, we had the race in 2021 and it was it was good, but it was sort of weird. And then we had the race in 2022 and it was like, oh, we're back. It's mm-hmm. so great to be back. This year is going to be just an absolute victory lap in that way. And the, and the rate Craig and the race organizers and everybody who's coming to Olympic Valley ought to really understand and appreciate all that goes into doing it. So that's the star. We can talk about all these fast men and women and the great stories and everything else, but just making the race happen every fourth Saturday in June is, is an accomplishment. And I mean, I can't wait to get out there. It's a lot of work for less than 400 people to run through the mountains, but man, it's a lot of great glorious work (laughs) for those lucky runners to, to go run through the mountains. That's for sure. Andy, I want to give you a chance before we leave Craig, the, the Craig Thornley episode and in the tropical John episode, you do come up a couple of times and there are some, fantastic Andy Jones Wilkins stories. I don't want to spoil I don't want to spoil it, but it's probably one of the funniest Andy Jones Craig tells one of the funniest Andy Jones Wilkins stories possibly I've ever heard. Um do you want to share a Craig Thornley or Tropical John story? Since you're up first, I mean, you're you you kick off the week, you set the tone. Do you do you have any funny stories about Tropical John or Craig that you want to share? Because they got a couple funny ones coming about you. <laughs> um, I, I I like the setup, Ryan, but no, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, I obviously, you know, J- Tropical John and Craig play checkers, and I play chess. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sit back and see how this goes down. I'm not kidding, folks. Seriously, if you if you do not have a new love and appreciation for Andy by the time this week is all said and done, you didn't listen to all the episodes. That's that's all I'm going to say. Andy, thank you so much for taking uh, some time out on a very busy race week and kicking off a very special Western States week here on the Adventure Jogger. Thanks a lot, Ryan. It's great, and and this is the best week of the year. So thank you, my man. Wow, wow, wow.